How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? And boom goes the dynamite. I don't know what we're yelling about! I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Episode 3 of the Idaho Sports Prepcast presented by Project Filter. We're going to have Oakley head football coach Cade Craner on later in the show. The Hornets undefeated and ranked number one in the 1AD1 classification. But first, we welcome in IdahoSports.com Sport Information Director Matt Harris to talk high school football from the week prior. Matt, how you doing today? I'm good. How are you, man? You know, I am doing well. There's a lot to talk about here this week. Of course, the Idaho High School Activities Association has released their Milk Bowl site rotations. You were at the North Fremont-Aberdeen game. Really, a lot of different ways we can go, but I'd like to start it. You're going to be Civil War football this week. That's Bonneville and Hillcrest. Both teams enter the game 2-1. and one. Just a fun atmosphere every year, and of course, this year it'll be a little bit different. There will be no painting of the goalposts this time around. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit different, certainly. It's one of those things that, uh, uh, you know, there's been a tradition doing it and for a long, long time. And the past few years, though, have kind of, I, I don't want to say I've gotten out of hand, but student safety has been the issue. And, and last year, the, the field goal post got bent sideways, and, uh, you know, it can uh, ruin the structural integrity of those goal posts. And so I think the administration uh, in District 93, both Bonneville and Hillcrest High School, said, you know what, let's find a different way to celebrate this so they're now going to have a traveling trophy that goes back and forth between uh the winning schools and uh it'll be different this year for sure normally when you show up to you know something like uh, the civil war the emotion bowl or whatever it may be you're, you're prepared for the smell of spray paint at the end of the game this year will be a little bit different yeah, you know, it's one of those things where you just get accustomed to it. Every time you go to the game, that's one of the things that you expect to see is excited kids for one school or the other hanging on the goalpost, but that is no more, and I know that's disappointing for a lot of students that are going there right now and alumni as well that have talked about that rivalry, but at the end of the day, the two teams on the field is what makes it a rivalry, and you know, entering the season 2-1 and one for both schools is something that's got to be exciting for Hillcrest and Bonneville. How do you see that one shaping up? Yeah, it is nice to see uh, them both coming in with pretty good records here. You know, and Hillcrest very well could have been 3-0 and had they been able to hang on against Madison a couple of weeks ago. And for Bonneville, it's their best start to the season uh, since the last time they won the Civil War, which was in 2013. So uh, this game is going to be interesting because Bonneville, you have to remember that Th- Thunder Ridge opened up, you know, the new school in District 93 and drew students from both schools. But Bonneville lost more kids overall than Hillcrest did. Uh, Bonneville's a little bit younger. Um, and Hillcrest is really they're they're operating a top uh, a top notch right now. They're they're playing extremely well. Um, they're coming off of a big win against conference opponent Idaho Falls. Bonneville, on the other hand, is having to rebound after a big blowout loss against Rigby. Um, honestly, Sven, I think this game and, and in any rivalry game, it's going to be you know the first quarter is going to be the the main key here. Who's going to settle down first and play their game? Uh, but in the end, though, I think Hillcrest has has a little bit more talent than Bonneville, and they're just playing a lot better overall. I see Hillcrest taking that one. And, of course, Matt's going to be out at that game broadcasting it live here on IdahoSports.com with Nathan Lewis. And I know you guys are going to have a ton of fun out at that one. It's back-to-back rivalry weeks for you. Skyline and Idaho Falls, the Emotion Bowl coming up next week. This is the time of the year when everything just seems to become more and more fun for us as broadcasters. Well, especially once you get into conference play, and that's the thing about um, a lot of these rivalries, is it is conference play, and it makes it makes the rivalry just that much more important. You know, here for Bonneville, for example, Bonneville, this is their first conference game, and it's a big one. They have to, you know, in that, in that conference, the 4A High Country Conference, it's tough this year. It's very, very tough. 
And it's if you could get a, if they could get a win over Hillcrest, that would be huge for their momentum moving forward. Now Hillcrest, on the other hand, they've already got a win in their pocket, so they've knocked out the whole conference, the first conference game of the season deal. So if they can knock off their arch rival Bonneville here in this one, that just moves them that much closer to a potential playoff berth. And then you look at Idaho Falls and Skyline; it's the exact same thing. You know, conference play uh, for them as well. So. It's just fun to see all these rivalries come together and to not also have to watch these rivalries when it's, you know, 30 degrees outside. You know, and I know that you had a chance to talk to Tyler Belknap a couple of weeks ago. One of my roommates from college, actually, he was the quarterback at Hillcrest about, I don't know, six or seven years ago. And he is just really excited. He's on the coaching staff for Hillcrest. And I know the same goes for the Bonneville side of things as well. Well, of course, Matt, you know, this week, the uh, Idaho High School Activities Association, or at least this is when we released what the Idaho High School Activities Association has for the site rotations for the Milk Bowl. You know, we can't do a ton of speculation as far as exactly where everything's going to be, but there are a couple things that we can note on here. That's that, obviously, the Kibbe Dome in Moscow will be a host site if there are any uh, north schools in there that fall within the site rotation, and then Holt Arena is only as a constant during November you kind of lived there during the late fall that's just a place you're gonna have to get a cot and just park yourself there the joke has been that I that I've got my cot in the press box I set it up there during the Rocky Mountain Rumble during the first week and then I uh, you know just pull it back out once playoffs hit but uh, yeah you know Holt Arena is a, is a great venue for it um, you know a lot of most of the most games most playoff games out of the, th- the three main venues you know, being, you know, Boise State and, of course, the Kibbe Dome and Holt Arena. A lot of games happen at Holt Arena. And it's nice to be able to have that many games there and to have a venue in the first place that can host those sort of games and to do so back-to-back-to-back to back to back, uh, quite a bit. Of course, last year we had four state title games there. Um, Boise had, uh, I believe Boise State had one. No, it was at the Middleton, wasn't it? Yeah, it was over at Middleton, 1AD2 state title last year, Tri-Valley taking on the Cary Panthers. Cary winning that game. Yeah, and then so you have that, and then you had uh, one up north at the at the Kibbe Dome as well, and uh, so that's one that's one thing that's uh, that's nice is that you actually get these rotations. And I know some fans don't quite understand these rotations, like, well, why should why should a, a team from the east ever have to go to the north, or why should a north team ever have to go uh, down south to the west, or you know whatever it may be. It's like, well, that that's just how this works in this state. Uh, unless you want to have it all in one location all the time and never have a chance to potentially have it close to home, that's the way that these rotations work, and. Uh, the way that they have them set up, you know, is if, let's say, East versus West plays one year and it's, the game is at Holt Arena, well, the next year, if East versus West matches up again in the title game, it gets played in the West that time, you know, either at Boise State or an area high school or Donald Larson Park or whatever it may be. It's just it's, it's the easiest way and I should say probably the fairest way for it to move around altogether. And you mentioned Boise State University, the host for the Treasure Valley area. That's what the Idaho High School Activities Association sheet will say as well. But in the last five years or so, they have had games at Middleton as well. You know, he's opened it up to Eagle or Donald Larson Park or something of that nature. There could be a multitude of sites depending on the classification uh, that is represented in the state championship game that's hosted in the Treasure Valley. So that's a little bit more open as far as where teams and classifications can play their state championship games. One thing that we do know, though, is that Holt Arena is being occupied on Saturday, November 17th. Idaho State 
hosting Weber State in their rivalry game. But we do know that the Kibbe Dome and Albertson Stadium, they do not have any home games scheduled November 16th or 17th. We always like to look at that to kind of get an idea of what day the games are going to be played on as well. So it looks like if there's Holt Arena games, they'll be on Friday. And if they have a ton of them, then you might be there on Thursday as well. We'll see. And I want something to note as well, I looked at the Idaho State Bengals schedule for the month of November, and for pretty much for the entire month of November, they're not there, you know, at least during when the state playoffs are happening. So potentially, for fans out there who are listening, there could be a lot of games from District 4, 5, and 6 that end up getting, getting played at Holt Arena uh, over those weekends in the state quarterfinals and semifinals as well. That works out for you. You're going to be a busy man during the month of November. <laughs> Again, our guest on the phone line is IdahoSports.com Sport Information Director Matt Harris. And Matt, well, it's the time of the show where we kind of look back on what happened last week and give a summary to everybody listening of what we saw that was impressive and, you know, some teams that may have struggled last week or anything of that nature. And, well, you in particular had a, a pretty big matchup in the 2A classification, Aberdeen back-to-back weeks against a top-five opponent. This week it was against the North Fremont Huskies and their quarterback Garrett Hawks and North Fremont coming in there and knocking off an Aberdeen team on the road that is awfully tough. That's a big win for North Fremont and Ben Lentz. Yeah, it's a huge one because, it's, first of all, that's the first time they've beaten uh, Aberdeen since 2013, which happened in the first round of the 2A state playoffs. And, you know, prior to that, I mean, the games had been pretty good between them during the regular season. But North Fremont could just never seem to get over the hump for whatever reason. This year, North Fremont brings back literally everyone to their roster. And I think having that continuity is such a big help to them. And then you have to look as well, you know, Aberdeen is coming off of that home loss against Declo, where they played well with Declo. They just couldn't quite hang on. But really, Sven, the key in that ball game between North Fremont and Aberdeen was the line of scrimmage. And North Fremont dominated the line of scrimmage. And here's the thing. Aberdeen has the bigger line. They have bigger kids on that line. But North Fremont controlled that extremely well with their option game. And it was one of those things that was, you know, I, I, coming into it, I had talked with one of my buddies, Dayton Robinson, about this. He sa- I said, you know what? Uh, North Fremont could be the upset pick here this week. And he agreed with me. And sure enough, they came out and punched Aberdeen in the mouth and then just limited them from that point on, forcing some turnovers and playing stout defense as well. And, you know, by the time the fourth quarter rolled around, it felt like ba- that North Fremont was going to win the game. It didn't feel like no matter what Aber- or it felt like no matter what Aberdeen did, uh, they weren't going to be able to make a comeback in the ball game. Just North Fremont controlled the game so much and played that's the that's and played they played so efficiently in that ball game that was the most efficient that I had ever seen them play in a ball game and I think they turned some heads in the 2A classification in so doing absolutely 29 to 6 the final in that one in favor of North Fremont the win improves the boys from Ashton's record to 3 and 0 on the season some other teams in the 2A classification that are impressive early in the season Declo they played at 3A Kimberly defeated the Bulldogs 58 to 34 west side a big win against marsh valley a much improved 3a school eight to six and then a couple of long losing streaks have been snapped malad broke their 24 game losing streak of 44 to 19 win over wendell and marsing they snapped an eight gamer with a 18 to six win against payette always good to see schools like that that have struggled on the field show some improvement we saw wendell snap their losing streak in their season opener so it's always great to see this and you know the progression is getting there for programs throughout the state and that's just a a nice thing to see in general 
Well, and I think that's what you get to when you get a new coaching staff in who brings maybe a new energy, or you just see the fruits of the of the coaching staff that have been maybe been there for a couple of years, establishing their culture. And sometimes it takes a little while. Uh, you know, with some of these schools, you know, Malad brings in Corey Kay as their new head coach and is able to pick up a win in, in their third game. You look at Wendell with Cody Howerton, you know, he's been there for a little bit, trying to get the program back on track and does so now, and they have a win. Uh, you look at a, a couple of other ones, too, like you mentioned, Marsing. You know, they, br- they bring in a new coaching staff, and they're able to pick up a win. And it really a lot of this is, is just if you can get that first initial win, it gives the kids some confidence that what they're practicing for and what they're doing has them on the right path, that they're, that they're doing what they need to do to be able to get their program back on track. And it's always nice to see because you don't like to see these long losing streaks. That's not fun for anyone. It's not fun for the kids. It's not fun for the boosters. It's not fun for the school. Not fun for anyone. To be able to see, to be able to see that a little bit more, it, to see you know, these programs getting some wins and to finally you know, have, maybe having a little bit more confidence in themselves, it's definitely a nice trend to see, and I hope we see that throughout the state. Absolutely. We started in the 2A classification. We're going to work our way down to 1A and then go back up to 5A and down to 3A. So we're going to go in a little bit of a different order here this week. But man, the 1A D1 media pool, each of the top five teams, they have just been really convincing wins so far this season when they have won their football games. Of course, Prairie, the only team in the top five with a loss, that was to Valley, the number two ranked team. So you can't really say much negative about Prairie. They were the high point scorer this week, 88 to 6 in a win over the Troy Trojans. You know, Raff River also got 282 yards from Cutler Erickson on the ground, putting up 510 yards in their win. And, you know, then beyond that, Chalice put up 40 on Grace, a lot of those coming in the second half. Oakley, 420 yards and 62 points in their win over Mackey. We'll talk to their head coach, Cade Craner of the Hornets later in the show, but boy, it just seems like there's four or five teams there in the 1A D1 classification that kind of stand out above the rest, and they're all going to be right in the mix for a state title. And right now, if you look at the poll, there's one team from the White Pine League in that poll, which and there's four from the Snake River Conference. The way that the playoffs are set up, there's only three playoff berths. From, from the Snake River Conference. So that means potentially if things hold up with this poll, and obviously the season is very, very long and things can change, but you're looking at potentially one of those teams not making the state tournament. And so that's going to make those, those conference games coming up uh, when it, once you get those, those teams in the top five matching up against each other, that's going to make these games that much more important. And it just feels like 1A Division One seems to have blue bloods when it comes to those schools and those schools always seem to be there every single year with very little variation uh you, you'll get the occasional school that moves in and then maybe moves back out after a couple of years in the top five but you know what it feels like that you just have those five maybe six schools that you could say yeah they're a top five team or they're a blue blood or whatever it may be that they're there every single year i mean you look at oakley valley since they've dropped down they've been solid uh you look at chalice who has moved in you know, recently, Prairie's been in there. Raft Rivers but always seem to be in the conversation. So, I mean, that's just the way it goes in 1A Division One. It's, it's tough to crack that top five. And staying on the topic of the Oakley Hornets, is we're going to have a very Oakley-centric prep cast here this week. Jake Falsifer scored touchdowns in four different ways this last week. And I you've done a lot of games, Matt, but I don't know how many times you've heard this. He reached the end zone on a punt return, a kick return, a touchdown reception, and on a pick six off of an interception, that is as good of a performance individually as you can have. 
yeah, that's a that's a performance that you want to write down in your journal, certainly, or one that you want to keep the keep the newspaper clippings of, or screenshots of, or whatever it may be. That's a a heck of a performance. You, you know, you don't normally see that too much in big school football. You know, four A, five A, just because of how many players you have. Once you get into three A, two A, one A, you have to be able to do more. And that's the great thing about one A football that I really love is that all of these kids are so versatile, and they're, a, they're they have the ability to be able to potentially pull something like that off because they play multiple different uh, multiple positions and they play, uh, you know, so effectively on, on both sides of the ball or on special teams as well. And, you know, for certainly for Jake Pulsifer, that's one that you're definitely going to want to remember. But it just goes to show the versatility that these eight-man football players have. You mentioned the White Pine League earlier, and Clearwater Valley and Lapway, they play each other this week. Those are a couple of teams that I'm really excited to see go off against each other because – and I say this with a lot of confidence based on what coaches throughout the White Pine League have said, I think these are the teams that are going to be closest to what Prairie is this year. I think that they are going to be the ones that are fighting for playoff positioning as the season goes on. So this is a huge game. 62-8 to last week, Clearwater Valley beat Wallace. And on the other side of things, Lapway defeated Genesee 68-20. to So we're excited to see that matchup. And, and there's a lot of faces on both sides that are really impressive. Clearwater Valley running back Lane Schilling rushed for 235 yards and six touchdowns last week. Well, on the other side of things, Lapway's Peyton Sabota ran into the end zone four times, 186 yards for him. So big matchup in the White Pine League, and I think that might give us a clearer picture of who Prairie's biggest competition is this year in their conference. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you look at it and you see right now, I mean, Clearwater Valley's 2-0 and right now. Um, they have not had a ton of success in recent seasons in football. So for them to be able to, to, to do what they're doing right now, because they're averaging 55 points a game right now and giving up only four points a game, which is a pretty good number. And, I mean, you can always talk about, well, let's talk about who they're playing, whatever it may be. That's still good. And to see once you get into that first real potentially tough contest of the year, that's where you can kind of finally establish, okay, are, where are we going this year? Are we, potential to, are we potentially going to make it to the state tournament? Do we have a chance here in our conference? And it's certainly a very nice thing to be able to see Clearwater Valley having some success, Lapway having success as well. They've had a lot of success in previous seasons. This will be a big test for both teams, which, like you said, will really hammer out uh, what, who could be the, some of the challengers to Prairie in the White Pine League. My favorite thing that I've read so far in a newspaper article this season came out of the Lewiston Tribune this last week, the 1AD2 classification. Kendrick won their football game against Lewis County this week, 66-12. to And according to the Lewiston Tribune, Kendrick head coach Zane Hobart, he bought his team $126 worth of hamburgers in celebration of the win from the concession stand. I don't know about you, but if I am a high school football player, I want to go play for Zane Hobart. (laughs) Going to get free food out of it. And for Zane Hobart, he's like, hey, tax write-off potentially. I don't know. But uh, that's pretty cool that he would uh, that he would do that, certainly. But, I mean, I know that Lewis County had been talked about as a, a potential sleeper team in the 1A Division II White Pine League. And uh, for Kendrick to knock them off like that sends a statement, certainly statewide, that they are for real and that they could challenge Cary this year. Another statement coming from Cary, the team you just mentioned. They defeated Camas County. 44 to nothing, and I think in the early part of the season, it seems really clear that those have got to be the two favorites on a statewide level. Yeah, I think so, and I, I, I look at the polls each week. You know, I, I'm, I'm the person who conducts the coaches' polls, and I also vote in the media poll, and it seems pretty straightforward that those two 
are going to stay in the top two all season. Uh, there's been a lot of fluctuation in those 1A Division two polls, both for the media and the coaches, but it seems like that uh, Kerry and, and Kendrick are the, pretty, are, are the mainstays there. And, you know, both, both schools have, have had a lot of success in football in recent memory, and uh, we could be on a crash course potentially seeing them, depending on how the bracket shakes out, uh, in the uh, 1A Division two Milk Bowl. Other notables from last week, the Battle of the Devils, so to speak. Murtaugh knocked off Dietrich for the first time since 2005, 42-14 in that one. Clark Fork, 42-8 over Lakeside. They were led by sophomore Cameron Garcia, 263 rushing yards, 31 through the air, and he forced a fumble in that victory. And another one that impressed me, Salmon River, despite playing without Canyon Harper and being fairly shorthanded, went out there, and thanks to Randy McClure and some other guys, they were able to defeat the Notice Pirates 30-28 to on the road. Randy McClure, 28 carries for 176 yards and a couple of touchdowns. So we've talked about 2A, 1A, D1, and 1A, D2. We'll now go back up and talk 5A football. Again, our guest on the phone is Matt Harris, Sport Information Director here for IdahoSports.com. And, Matt, I think a game that a lot of people really have circled on their calendars and excited about I know I'm excited about it. I'll be heading up there to broadcast the game coming up on the 21st of September. Coeur d'Alene scheduled to host number one ranked Highland. That's a rematch of last year's 5A state championship game, and both those teams are undefeated, so they win this week, and we're going to have a battle of undefeateds up there in Coeur d'Alene. You have seen Highland this year. What are your impressions uh, You know, on first look on the Highland ramps? Well, I saw them in their first game against Shadow Ridge out of uh, Las Vegas in the Rocky Mountain Rumble. And the first half of that game, they really struggled to try to, to get some of that offensive consistency. I think they've picked it up here in uh, recent weeks and, uh, you know, kind of finding their identity. At least in that first game against Shadow Ridge, they found that if they moved to the spread formation and just ran exclusively uh, out of spread, either having a, a four-receiver set or a five-receiver set with one man in the backfield, um, you know, there's, they basically they, they succeeded a lot more when they threw the football. Um, you know, they've got Kobe Tracy back at quarterback, uh, Landon Demuzio uh, in at running back. He really plays more of like a, a running back, wide receiver combo, kind of a flex player if you want to call it that. Um, but really for Highland, uh, they, their offense, once it gets going, I mean, it really gets going. The defense was the big question coming into the year because they lost so many kids from last year, of course, highlighted by Tommy Togiai, the Ohio State commit. Uh, Coleman Farnsworth was gone, um, um, among others. But the defense has really started to find themselves. I really do think when it comes to the Highland Court Lane game, it's going to come down to who has the faster start because you don't want to play from behind against either one of these teams. If you're Coeur d'Alene, you don't want to play from behind against Highland. If you're Highland, you don't want to play from behind against Coeur d'Alene. It's going to come down to that fast start and uh, who can really get their offense in gear faster so to speak and I think you know for Highland their big thing too is going to be shaking off the bus legs you know making the long journey to northern Idaho and then you know getting ready getting into their into their mentality for the game and then starting off very quickly I really think that could potentially be the big key when it comes to the Highland Coeur d'Alene game uh, coming up next week. Of course both teams won this week Highland 31 to 14 over Twin Falls and Coeur d'Alene 47 to 34 over Mead, Washington. Rigby, a conference opponent for Highland, they were also mighty impressive in the first half against Bonneville, jumping all over the Bees, 35 nothing. And, you know, the most impressive stat for me, Rigby limited the Bees to just 29 yards in the first half and piled up four first-quarter sacks in that game as well. 
They went on to win 35-8. to I think Rigby is a team that might be right there with Madison and Highland in the 5A District 5-6 conference over there in eastern Idaho. Yeah, I would agree. I would think that uh, Rigby, their success is primarily going to be determined by how far their offense can take them because their defensive front line, their, their front four that they have on defense is arguably the best on this side of the state, on the eastern side. And I think that uh, you know it, it shows a little bit uh, in some of the games that they've played so far. Now, against Bonneville, they had Willie Nelson, their quarterback, on the run all game long because Bonneville's blocking just could not shut down the, the defensive force that, that uh, Rigby has up front. And they are able to force some turnovers that way. Oh, you mentioned getting some sacks. So I really do think that for Rigby, the key for them in 5A in, here in eastern Idaho is going to be how well can how or how far can Keegan Thompson and the Trojans offense go? How fast can they develop come conference time? And if they can develop and, and improve like they have been doing each and every week, it could get very, very interesting over here. Now we'll quickly run over some of the big notables from the 5A SIC this week. Centennial knocked off Timberline in double overtime, 38-32. And again, that combination of Dane Cook and Caden Clark, they were on fire. Clark caught 184 yards worth of passes on 12 receptions, three touchdowns, and Cook had 307 yards and five touchdowns himself. Mountain View quarterback Noah Bryant, he threw for five touchdowns and a 63-3 win over Boise and also ran one in on the ground. Bora, they knocked off Meridian 31-29 to on a late field goal. Man, just impressive to come out of there and somehow manage to fend off what was a really resilient effort by first-year head coach Mike Verdon's Meridian team that has a big task on their hands this week as well against Capital. Yeah, you know, for Meridian, it's, it's nice to be able to see them returning to some of the success that they've had. Of course, Verdon has previously coached at Meridian. And uh, it's one of those things where, for Bora, I, I don't know, obviously I wasn't at the game, I didn't see it, but you look at it and said, okay, was the first few weeks a fluke, or was that just a potential letdown game, or was it a, I don't know if you want to call it a hangover game, or whatever it may be. But uh, for Bora, I think it probably woke, up, woke them up just a little bit, saying, okay, everyone's coming after us here, we're going to get the best shot from everyone based on our start here. And for Bora to be able to play the way that they did and come out calm and cool, and pick up the victory, and to do so on a field goal, which is difficult in high school, because you don't hear about that all that often. You know, first of all, field goals being kicked, but then to win one in a pressure situation, being down one, certainly impressive for Bohr to make that comeback. And for Meridian, you know, it just goes to show their progress so far under Coach Mike Burden. And I, I think that Meridian certainly is a team that, you know, if they, if they pick up a couple more wins here, that they could be t- you, we could potentially be seeing them in the state tournament once again and, t- and having more success. And we look at Meridian. They play Capital this week, as you mentioned, on a Thursday game that can be watched on IdahoSports.com. Capital was throttled by Rocky Mountain's defense last week. Seven turnovers committed by the Capital Eagle offense. They lost that game 50 to 17. We now move down to the 4A classification where there is all kinds of standout performances as well. Minico all over Burley. They won that game for the 14th consecutive year, 42-18. to Coulter May, 181 yards on 17 carries. He also scored four times in that game. Bishop Kelly shut out Columbia 31 to nothing, And I think this might be the most impressive performance of the night as Alomar Alexander, the running back for Columbia, was held to just 42 yards in that game. I think you got to say a lot about the Bishop Kelly defense after looking at what they were able to do in that win. 
basically think that the Bishop Kelly defense and Tim Brennan were thinking, okay, Alexander, he is the, he is the key guy. Let's shut him down and dare the rest of the Columbia offense to beat us. I think that basically is the, the mindset that it came down to. And, you know, Bishop Kelly, they, they, they know how to win. I mean, you, all you have to do is go look at the state titles. They know how to win. They've had a lot of success, especially with Tim Brennan at the helm. And this is something certainly for them uh, that uh, it, it shows that, okay, yeah, Bishop Kelly lost a lot last year. But they're still Bishop Kelly. They're still going to be good. One other thing that I really want to focus on out of the 4A SIC, Nampa, as my word, I don't know what's happening over there, but they've got a backup quarterback filling in for Braden Miner, who is out, and Donnie Estrada has just absolutely helped them light up the scoreboard. And it's just really impressive to me what they have been able to do. Nampa put up 624 yards of offense in a 61-point performance against Mountain Home this week. And you may say, well, it's just against Mountain Home, but I think Mountain Home has showed some improvement this year to the point where, you know, okay, maybe that's not as as much of a laughable thing as it's been in the past. And for Nampa, they'll take anything they can get. I mean, this is a team that's on the uptick. They beat CUNA 33-8 to a week ago, and I think Nampa's got a lot of potential this year. Yeah, they absolutely do. And you know, sometimes you don't necessarily know what you have until you put those players in a game situation. So you bring in the backup quarterback and just lights up the scoreboard, and you think, okay, well, this opens up some more options for us offensively. I remember a, a couple of years ago, Ross Shepard at uh, Chalice had to come in for their injured starting quarterback, and he threw like seven touchdowns in his first start. In his first start. So it's one of those things where you just really don't know what you have until you've, uh, until you've thrown them into the fire, until you, you see them in game action. And certainly – a, a big, big statement for Nampa, and you know they could be a sleeper team moving forward. And in the 3A classification, for me, it became a whole lot clearer as far as what we're going to be looking at this season after watching Fruitland handle Gooding last week. That was the number one ranked Grizzlies going against number two ranked Gooding, 41-19, and really that was an accurate portrayal of the game. I thought Fruitland did a really good job winning their 21st consecutive game in a row, and you know again, we didn't know if they would continue to go to the air as often as they did in their opener against South Fremont. But we were answered in that regard. Quarterback Cole Aguirre's six touchdowns total between the air and ground in that win over Gooding. And, you know, it's not going to be a team that's just going to go back and throw it every single down, but it's also not going to be a run, run, run and never throw the football kind of team like we've seen in the past. They're going to be a lot more balanced. And I think that's going to make it very difficult in the 3A classification for anybody. But I think Sugar Salem might be one of the primary contenders. After what I've seen the first few weeks, I really just like what the diggers have going for them. Yeah, you know, for Sugar Salem, they, uh, they've been able to really, really turn on the Jets here the past couple of weeks. Of course, a couple of weeks ago, they hammered Snake River 67 nothing, And then this last week, they beat up on Star Valley, Wyoming. Now, Star Valley is a perennial contender for the state title in Wyoming. And this is a Star Valley team that just beat Blackfoot 42-7. to and Sugar Salem comes right in and whacks them 36 to seven, and so and it was it wasn't even close. I mean, Sugar Salem uh, was up 36 nothing by halftime, and so this is a team that is has really turned the corner. And I think that this is they have to be certainly con- considered a potential favorite to reach the state title game. I mean, they are playing very very efficiently under Tyler Richens. Uh, they, they try to be that run first team, but they have Tanner Harris at quarterback who can also sling it as well. That, uh, that is a deadly combination when you can run efficiently, but you also have a quarterback who knows how to throw the football. I mean, you see it with Fruitland, and you're seeing it with Sugar Salem as well. 
Tanner Harris, four touchdowns in that win over Star Valley. Wyoming, Holmdale, they blew out Baker, Oregon, 62-18 this week. Weezer over Ontario, 41-33. Timberlake coming from behind, a 22-point deficit to force overtime against Bosco. They won that game 42-36. Chase Gardham intercepted a pass attempt from the Bears in the overtime drive, and Joey Fellini was the guy that really stood out. Five touchdowns on the night in that one. So that's kind of a look at what happened throughout the state last week. Well, we'll have more with Matt coming up later in the show, but next we welcome in the head football coach, the undefeated and number one ranked Oakley Hornets, Cade Craner, here on episode three of the Idaho Sports Prepcast presented by Project Filter. My name's Jerry, and I smoke for 30-plus years. I was elk hunting. My left arm and my left leg started tingling on me. Nearly died, and it was enough to wake me up. You know, being on the top side of the grass is a good alternative to smoking. I still hunt, and now it's getting time where the grandkids are going to start going, and I want to be there for that. Call 1-800-QUIT-NOW or visit projectfilter.org. Cable One brings high-speed internet to the greatest town on Earth, yours. Now you can get up to 100 megs for just $45 a month for six months. No deposit, no contract. Enjoy faster downloads, better streaming, up to 100 megs, $45 a month for six months. Connecting is easy. Call 877-687-1427 or visit CableOne.net today. Restrictions apply. Call Cable One for details. Segment two of the Idaho Sports Prepcast presented by Project Filter, and we're now joined by Oakley head football coach Cade Craner. The Hornets come into this week's game against Chalice, ranked number one in the state, 3-0 and so far this weekend. Last week, it came off a 62-20 to win over the Mackey Miners. Coach, thanks for joining us here today. Thanks for having me. So obviously your conference is just absolutely stacked this year, and this really isn't much of a surprise to anybody that follows 1A football, but Raft River, Valley, Chalice, Oakley, all ranked in the top five in the media poll, and well, with just three bursts to state against, somebody's going to get left out, but you're going to learn a lot more about your football team this week against Chalice. That's a really good football team with a lot of weapons out there. Yeah, it's going to be a tough matchup. Um, We're looking forward to it. Like you said, our conference is tough. And, uh, you know, it's time to get into conference play. It's time to see where you, where you kind of match up well with teams. And uh, it's time to go play some serious football. You know, the first three weeks of the season, you guys went all the way up to Lapway. An impressive 58-18 to win over the Lapway Wildcats. You beat Garden Valley 60-18 to and then Mackey 62-20. to So obviously there's been a lot of things that you have to have liked that have stood out for the first three weeks of the season. What are some of those things? Uh, you know, the biggest thing for us um, that we learned last year, and we've started scheduling this way, is trying to schedule some tougher opponents early so that you find out as a coaching staff and as a team where your holes are at so you don't cruise through the first five or six weeks of the season and then realize you've got a problem. Um, and and so what I liked about those first three games was we had some kids um, step in for graduated seniors that have been able to, uh, to pick up the slack, um, not necessarily fill shoes because they do things – different than the the kids that graduated but we like where we're at now we're healthy coming out of those three games like you said we went on the road played a tough lapway team um garden valley is going to win a lot of football games Um, mackie's got things turned around we feel pretty good about about where we're at right now and 
like you say, it's time to go line up against some conference opponents and uh, and see how things go. I mean, you talk about the kids that have come in and helped replace some of the key seniors that you lost from last season. One of the things that I really like about your football team, and I saw this on the Idaho 8-Man Twitter account this offseason, but the day prior to day one of the fall practice, all of your seniors, they camped out at the school that day. And I think that shows a lot of the work ethic that you've got within your football team these kids want to be the best and and they're going to put in the the work and effort to get there yeah this senior class um they've been with me all four years and a lot of them played as freshmen and uh, they've bought into to what we're what we're about as a program and yeah they were you know the way last season ended um we felt like it was a step back um from the year before and you know we we placed some pretty high expectations on our kids and they they showed up they were ready to go uh preseason they camped out all week long in that stupid trailer um <laughs> but yeah it does it shows the buy-in it shows the determination and and like i say i, I really love this class of seniors that we've got and uh you know it's been good and you talk about last year kind of not ending the exact way that you wanted to. Lost 42-36 in the semifinals to eventual state champion Prairie at the Kibbe Dome. But you have a big re-addition to the field this year. Quarterback Tate Cranny returning after an injury. And, you know, combined with all-state returner Austin Bedke and some other guys, Chandler Jones, Josh Nyman, just a few, the expectations are obviously high. What's it been like having Tate back under center for you guys? It's been great. Uh, Tate... Tate provides a, a calming influence over our offense. Like I say, he's he's played there pretty much, you know, his his entire time. Um, he he gets guys in the right sets. He sees what we need him to see as a coaching staff. Um, it, it, it's been good. And another thing that we talked about a little bit earlier, but you know, Chalice this week. You're playing them at home. That's got to be nice for you guys to not have to go all the way up to Chalice. But I think on a statewide level, you know, not enough respect has been given to just what T.T. Kane and the Vikings have been able to do. And I think that, you know, that is such a huge game for you guys. And, you know, what are some of the things you guys got to focus on as you look at the Vikings this week? Well, you're exactly right. Coach Kane and his staff have put together a great program, and and these kids have been in it. And he's got he he's loaded with talent this year, and they've had it in the past, and they've got some experience. Um, the the main thing with Chalice is you know you're going to get a physical football game. Um, that's that's the way they're coached. That's the way they play. Um, you know they sit up there in Central Idaho, and I don't think people give them the respect that they deserve. Um, it's it's going to be an all-out dogfight. Friday night um, it, it's going to be if we can match their physicality and their intensity I feel pretty good about what we can do if we don't it's going to be a long night for us you know and a lot of people always talk about not looking too far into the future and I think that's interesting because within your conference I think if you look into the future you're going to forget about who you got that particular week obviously you've got number two ranked valley coming up uh, on the road on September 21st, but every single week in your conference just seems like it's going to be such a dogfight. I had a chance to watch Raft River earlier this year take on Genesee. That's your final week opponent, but you could really just list off any team within your conference as a contender for a state title or at least a state playoff appearance, and I think that's what makes it fun. In the 1A ranks, you know, just a little, and you guys have seen this, just a little bit can change, and just like that, your whole season complexion is different. So much of it comes down to who stays healthy you're exactly right and that's i mean as a coach you 
you, you don't necessarily want the 62 to 14s. You don't want those. You want you want a good competitive football game, and and that that's what makes it fun is the competition and you know trying to out coach the guys on the other sideline. And you're exactly right. You know that's one thing we've really tried to harp on our kids about this year is it's got to be a week to week basis. And right now we're thinking about Chalice. I know there's some there's some other big dogs sitting on the porch out there waiting for us. And we'll, you know, we'll get to them when the schedule says we get to them. But, uh, yeah, we've got a fight on our hands this week, and uh, it should be a good football game. Talked a little bit about some of the things that your team has done really well to start the season. But, you know, what are some of the focus areas for you to show improvement on as you take on Chalice this week and then moving forward for the rest of the season if you bring home some hardware uh, come November? Well, staying healthy, that, that, that's, that's the main thing. Um, you know, as an offensive and defensive line coach, you know, a lot of these eight-man games, people think they're not quite as physical as 11-man as games, and, and I'd argue that point um, that possibly they're more physical. you you got to win things up front, and two of the spots that we replaced are up front. We like where we're at. We're different than we have been in the past. We're not quite as big. We're a little more mobile. We do some, some different things. Um, th- those two kids that have filled in, there, we're kind of rounding into shape up front there, and, and we like where we're at, but, you know, football games are going to be won in the trenches, right, wrong, or indifferent, in my opinion, and that's one thing we're, you know, we're going to have to continue to make improvements on is our game up front. I like our skilled kids. Uh, like I say, they've been in the program now for a while. They, they know their reads. They know what they're supposed to do. Um, we just have to get after teams up front. Well, you know what? I, it's going to start this week against Chalice. We're looking forward to it. Again, our guest today has been Oakley head football coach Cade Craner, whose undefeated Hornets are getting set to take on the also undefeated Chalice Vikings this week at a big 1AD1 Snake River Conference clash. Thanks for joining us today, Coach. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. More of the Idaho Sports Prepcast presented by Project Filter is coming up next as we welcome back in Matt Harris for our Pick 6 segment and run down which games will be live with broadcast this weekend. Get ready for big savings during Toyota's Touchdown Event. Choose cash back, special APR interest savings, or special lease offers on nearly every Toyota model. Join the winning team, Team Toyota, and take advantage of big Touchdown Event savings. Get full details at buyatoyota.com or see your local Toyota dealer today. Toyota, let's go places. All financing and approved credit through Toyota Financial Services offers end October 1st, 2018. Don't worry, honey. You know how the media sensationalizes everything. Okay, that does it. Here you guys, I'm going home. You play to win the game. I thought that would be big news. You thought what would be big news? We'd like to again thank Oakley head football coach Kate Craner for coming on the Idaho Sports Prepcast presented by Project Filter here this week. And it's now time to welcome back in IdahoSports.com Sport Information Director Matt Harris. Matt, it's time to do some picks this week. You ready for this? I am absolutely ready to kick your butt once again. Well, last time, Matt did just that. He beat me by a couple of picks back in opening week. He had five out of six correct. I had three out of six. However, last week, I kind of redeemed myself to a certain extent. I tied with Lucas. We both got four out of six. This week, I'm going for 100%. Matt, I will admit, I did not pick my upset pick yet, so I'm going to have to do that on the fly, as I completely forgot to do that prior to the show. Well, that's okay. That just means... uh... 
you know, it's just another extra chance for me to potentially win. But, I mean, if you're taking solace in the fact that you're getting ties, I guess I can call you the Cleveland Browns now, right? Oh, boy. Now, shots fired on that part. So, <laughs> oh, boy. I, I'm in Cleveland Browns territory now. That's never good. i got to poke some fun at you. I mean, we try to, we try to battle all week long. Yeah, all week. Now, now we're going to have to start doing some fantasy football or something in the same league. That get some trash talking going as well. As I, I'd probably beat you there. My fantasy baseball team's doing well. So let's see how the picks are here this week. Our first game is the Civil War, Bonneville, and Hillcrest. Hillcrest is the home team for the sake of well, I guess just the scoreboard here for this week is it's going to be a jam-packed house full of Bonneville and Hillcrest fans. Two and one, both teams' record coming into this week. Who are you picking in the Civil War? Well, Bonneville comes into this one. They are the, I think they're the underdog in this one. I mean, Hillcrest is, is regarded as potentially the best team in the conference. Uh, Hillcrest is very well could be 3-0, and like I mentioned earlier in the show. And uh, Bonneville, they have some good things going for them. They're going to be competitive in coming years. I just feel like Hillcrest is a, has a little bit more right now. And they are, as we saw last week with Bonneville against Rigby, Bonneville has some issues that they're going to have to clean up, especially with their offensive line. I think that Hillcrest uh, has the advantage there, certainly, and I think that they're going to come away and win the Civil War for the fifth consecutive year. Matt picks Hillcrest, and I'm not going to go in any other direction other than Hillcrest, as I really like the Knights. I think this might be their year to win a conference title. We'll see how it all shakes out. The skyline you can't ever count out, but... I really like Hillcrest, and I think this is going to be a coming-out party for their offense. They're going to put a lot of points on the board against Bonneville here this week. Another game we cross classifications, 3A against 4A. It's the defending 3A state champion Fruitland Grizzlies heading to Middleton to take on guard Memelar and the Middleton Vikings. Matt, I think this one has potential to be one of the best games on the schedule here this week. Who are you picking? Boy, you could see a lot of offense in this ball game. I feel like I really do like Fruitland in this contest. They are a team that uh, you know they've they've kind of reinvented themselves. Of course, they used to be you know run, 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 and maybe we'll pass. Now it's a little bit more balanced, and they showed really in the first few weeks here how well they can pass the football. But I think Middleton has the advantage. I think they're a little bit bigger up front. I also think Middleton uh, just has the, the gears a little bit more oiled and a little bit uh, more refined when it comes to. Uh, their offense. They're playing extremely well. They're putting up tons of points every single game, it feels like, uh, outside of their first game against CUNA when everyone's trying to knock off the rust. I just feel like Middleton is going to have a little bit more of an advantage here. I like the Vikings to beat the Grizzlies. So Matt goes with the Vikings. I'll pick the Fruitland Grizzlies in this football game. I think Fruitland's going to keep the score down, and I think that Fruitland played a little bit of a closer game last week against Gooding, and that's going to help them. While on the other side, Middleton has kind of walked their way to a victory the last couple of weeks over the likes of Caldwell and the Emmett Huskies. So I think Fruitland wins this football game. So I got Fruitland. You've got Middleton. I've got Hillcrest. You've got Hillcrest. So we're fairly consistent right now. It's the Chalice at Oakley game that we're going to pick next. 1A D1 football in the Snake River Conference. A Chalice team that a lot of people like. An Oakley team that's ranked number one in the media poll. Uh, I think this game could go either way. I think it's going to come down to a lot of the experience that Oakley has in games like this, though. So I'm going to pick Oakley in this game. Who do you got? You know, I'm, I'm kind of leaning the same way right now. You look at both teams. They both didn't lose a whole lot from last year. Chalice really lost their run game, though, with Pete Bradshaw, uh, and they're they're you know they're 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 managing in that in that aspect. And for them, it's going to really come down to how well can they run against the Oakley defense. And in eight-man football, 
I mean, if you find a little bit of open space, I mean, you can be gone at that point. I really do think, though, uh, in this contest for, between these two, it comes down to just efficiency on offense. Can you be efficient? Don't give up the football on a three and out or a turnover on downs or whatever it may be. You could potentially see a lot of scoring in this contest, or you could see a lot of defense. It really just depends on which way uh, the game shakes out. I just feel like Oakley has a little bit more of an advantage. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Hornets in this one. And as Oakley head coach Cade Craner said earlier on the prep cast, it's going to come down a lot to can Oakley match the physicality that Chalice is going to bring to the football field. I think that they will, and I think they win that football game. We head up north now, another cross-classification battle. Lake City is on the road in Raftrum, taking on the Lakeland Hawks. Lake City, their first-year head coach, Brian Fulp, trying to go out and get that first win, and I think he's going to get it this week against Lakeland. I liked what I saw last week against Ferris, Washington. Lake City showed some improvement, and I think it all comes full circle, and the Timberwolves get a win under their new head coach here this year. You know, and Lake City is going to continue to improve. You know, the past couple of seasons for Lake City have not been up to their standards by any means. Of course, uh, Van Troxel, when he was there, always seemed to have a very competitive program. Uh, but the past couple of years under Bryce Erickson, they kind of fell behind in that regard. And sometimes when that happens, if you have a couple of off years, for whatever reason, your development isn't quite there. And I think Brian Fulp is doing an excellent job at trying to get those Lake City Timberwolves back to the levels of where they feel like they should be. But this season so far, Lakeland has been crushing the competition. They've played a couple of, of Washington schools already. They beat Rogers 28-14. to They beat East Valley 27-7. to And I think the winning streak continues this week. I like Lakeland to beat Lake City. Okay, so, you know, we are, we're going a couple of different directions here. So, so far, we've got two picks that are different, and those picks being you liked Middleton, I liked Fruitland, and you go with the Lakeland Hawks over Lake City. So four picks out of the way. Again, Matt Harris is our guest picker here today on the Pick 6 segment on the Idaho Sports Prep Cast presented by Project Filter. Two games left to go, and then our upset pick as well. Orofino is at Nampa Christian in a 2A matchup. Nampa Christian a team that showed some improvement so far here this season. They have a lot of talent that is coming up through the program. Orofino lost some guys from last year's team. I'm interested to see how Orofino is able to do in a loaded 2A Central Idaho Conference this year. While on the other side of things, I think Nampa Christian is a team that might be right in the mix there in the 2A WIC with McCall Donnelly and Cole Valley for a conference title. How do you see this one shaping up in Nampa? You know, I feel like this one could be a coin flip, honestly. I, you just... When you get these these teams from other conferences that maybe you don't see as often, it, it, it becomes a question of okay, well, how much, how well do you know them? And it, it just also becomes a question of well, you know, I don't know necessarily how to you know call this game because of differing styles. I mean, you look at or- at Orofino; they've got a new head coach this year after Galen Kaikendall stepped down. Garrett Bretz is the head coach now, and uh, for them, you know, they started out slow. They lost to McCall Donnelly big the first week. They lost to a Soton out of Washington. Uh, big the second week, but then they hammered Kellogg by 30 last week. So, again, it's, it's a question of what, what are you going to get from week to week. And if I had to flip a coin here, I'm going uh, to give it to Nampa Christian, the home team, just simply because Orofino does have to travel down to that game. I, I think it'll be close, but I'm going to give Nampa Christian the, the home field advantage. Let's put it that way, and I'll take the Trojans. I was joking with one of our Idaho sports broadcasters, Will Henneke, during the week about how every time I pick an Orofito game, it seems to go the wrong direction. So I, I feel like anybody listening right now has probably got to go the other way that's listening. But my gut is telling me that Nampa Christian's going to win this football game. I was impressed. They're coming off a win against Parma. 
I, I think that they come out and Cassidy Cody gets them to play hard at home against an Orofino team that, like we mentioned, with Highland coming up next week, uh, going all the way to Coeur d'Alene, they're going to have to ride the bus a long ways into Nampa to take on Nampa Christian. So I will go Nampa Christian, and we'll see if this breaks my streak of incorrectly picking Orofino games. <laughs> Good luck to you. And so one last game left here. That's Westside at Ryrie, a couple of undefeated 2A schools. We'll have Lauren Jensen and Alec Pope out at this one, broadcasting it for you live on IdahoSports.com. Ryrie has just seen such an improvement in their football program over the last four or five years. Just an incredible effort by their coaching staff, getting kids through the program and coming out for football and kind of changing the identity of the school a little bit. Obviously, there's still basketball, wrestling. That's probably going to come first. But Ryrie is getting football a lot closer on the forefront, and I think this is a really tough matchup against Westside, but I know they're excited to enter the week undefeated. Yeah, certainly. You know, for Ryrie, for, for many, many years, they just didn't have any success whatsoever. But Jim Newton, as their head coach, has really done a good job of not only organizing his team, but organizing the lower levels in Ryrie as well. And so certainly for him, you know, to be able to uh, see some of the success that his team is having now, probably personally for him has to be gratifying, but also for the entire community of Ryrie to be able to have some success uh, in, in football now certainly is, is very, very nice for them. I think that, uh, you know, they've start, they're off to a 3-0 start this year. They've beaten the Star Valley JV, they've beaten Maladin, they've beaten Soda Springs. This is a big, big test for Ryrie because you're going up against a perennial power in Westside. And Westside has the established tradition. They have the established know-how, and they have the established just winning mentality. I just think that Westside has a, a little bit more offense overall. Ryrie has seemed to struggle uh, on offense, so to speak. Now, they're, uh, Ryrie... Uh, on average this year, they are averaging 29 points per game. But I feel like in this contest, if you compare that to Westside's defense, Westside is giving up four points per game. So that's going to be the big key. Can, can Ryrie score against Westside's defense? I feel like Westside's defense is stronger. They bring back a lot of kids this year. They've been young the past couple of years. All those kids who have started the past few years are now in their varsity, their senior season. And I really think that Westside is going to take, take a hold of this game and come away winning. Uh, potentially by three or four touchdowns. You know, and I don't know if this is just me or if this is something that you would agree with as well, but to me it kind of seems like Westside is flying under the radar a little bit. I like them to win this football game, and, you know, I don't think that necessarily winning this game is going to continue to put them further up the map, but I feel like they're kind of getting left out of the discussion a lot in 2A, and I don't know what the reasoning is for that, but I think Westside's as good as anybody. I think it's just the fact that Aberdeen and Declo and Grangeville have been good the last few years. You know, I mean, Westside last won a title in 2014, if I remember correctly. And, uh, you know, since that time, it's been the talk has all been about, you know, Aberdeen and Declo and, and Grangeville. And I just feel like, you know, you have a couple of, you know, I shouldn't say rough years, because they've made the playoffs, you know, every single season. They had a couple of early exits earlier than they would have liked. But I think that they're certainly a team that more people need to talk about. So now we're going to go into our upset picks for the week, and I'm going to go first here this week. As I scrolled through the schedule and I came up with the game that I said, you know what, I think I might be able to, to squeeze one out here and get a win as far as a game pick of the week. I'm going to go with the Burley Bobcats. They're going to knock off the Kimberly Bulldogs and McCade Huff here this week at home. I like the way they competed against Minico last week, got away from them a little bit in the second half, but Tony Cade's going to have his team ready, and they're a lot better than I think people are going to give them credit for. They'll beat Kimberly this week. That's a, that's a potential pick. And here's the thing, too, is that's a 4A versus 3A matchup. But Kimberly has had much more football success than Burley 
in recent memory. So even though Burley technically is the bigger school, I do think that that one has a potential for happening, definitely. So who's your pick? My pick is we're going to go to Thursday night football here, and I'm going to take Meridian over Capital. And here's the thing, okay? So Meridian right now, they're one and two. Capital is also one and two. But Capital has had all of the success in recent memory. It's been a long time since Meridian has had sustained success and has gone deep into the playoffs. As we saw last week with Meridian's near upset of Bora, I think that they're turning the corner here and that Mike Verdon is going to, and his team are going to upset the Capitol Eagles on, uh, on Thursday night at Donald Larson Park. Uh, it's one of those games where I think that Capitol is coming off of a big loss, and the question is how do they respond? Do they respond uh, and, and they play better, or is it one of those things where it's, uh, you know, we're still down from our, our previous week's loss. Can they get over that loss? I think Meridian proved more to themselves last week that they can play with the so-called Big Four of the SIC, and I think that uh, Meridian is going to come away and uh, get the victory. That's a game that I'm really looking forward to. I think both teams are going to come out with a lot of fire as nobody wants to drop to 1-3. and three. It's a huge difference between 2-2, two and two, being 500, and being 1-3. and three. We'll have that game broadcast for you on IdahoSports.com. Of course, other games that we've got broadcast coming up on Friday, Bonneville in Hillcrest, the Civil War, Canyon Ridge takes on Minico and Rupert. Eagle is at Mountain View, Gooding at Snake River, Lewis County at Deary. That's a game that has some playoff implications in District 2. Orofino at Nampa Christian, Prairie at Salmon River. Timberline takes on Bora at Donna Larson Park. Westside at Ryrie and Wood River at Twin Falls rounds out our Friday schedule of broadcasts here on IdahoSports.com. Well, that'll do it. For episode three of the Idaho Sports Prepcast presented by Project Filter, we'd like to again thank our guest today, Matt Harris, the Sport Information Director of IdahoSports.com, and of course, Oakley football head coach, Cade Craner. Until next week, thanks for listening to the Idaho Sports Prepcast presented by Project Filter.